Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. Podcast hosted by me, Eric Jensen, who is frustrated that the Utah Jazz are like impossible to watch on TV. Why, why are you burying them on NBA TV? Like, why can't you just put the game on ESPN or TNT like a normal playoff game should be? Why do I have to miss Warriors T-Wolves game two? That's a fascinating series. I love Anthony Edwards. And I can't watch it now because it's on NBA freaking TV. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. The NBA wonders why they don't get as many viewers. It's because they make their product impossible to watch. The NHL doesn't put their playoffs on NHL TV. The NHL doesn't put any meaningful games on NHL TV. They just, you know, they just go about their lives normally. Just, just makes me aggravated. But uh, I don't know why I started with that. But joining me today, Trey Watkins, per usual. How you doing, Trey? Doing all right. Um. I got finals this week, so I'm trying to hammer those out. As soon as I hammer those out, I'm home free, man. So that's really always up with me. I'm just head up in books and studying all that stuff, bro. Very cool. Yeah, I finished my last college assignment on Saturday. I'm just waiting to turn everything in now and forcing myself to go to class, even though I just feel like maybe it's pointless to go to class at this point, you know? I, I, I basically already made it, so we'll, we'll see how the rest of the week goes, but I'm trying to be a good student, trying to attend my classes this week. Don't have to do as much baseball this week. That's nice. There's a day game, so I'm exempt from that because I have a class, and then I got a night off to go to a student journalism awards Thursday, and they don't play today, so we're just going to have a nice free weekend, weekday nights off, and then just work the weekend per usual. Yeah, it should be it should be a fun time. Ryan Kearney, senior NFL draft analyst for the End Zone Podcast, also joins us here today, uh, stealing a page out of his book. Our great friend Ryan, just here to have a great time and talk some ball with us. How you doing, Ryan? You know, I'm doing great today, Eric. I just got done working out. I'm actually back in Iowa right now, which is where I went to school, but I'm not in classes like you guys. I'm kind of transitioning between some jobs right now. I'm going to be working in baseball this summer doing broadcasting. So I guess I'm taking a page out of Eric's book on that one. But yeah, we're here for football. I mean, I'm actually super stoked because last time I was on, Eric was like, oh, we're going to do quarterbacks next time. And I was like, that's always a fun one. So I've been like listening to other people's thoughts on the quarterback class. And it's not very good. But, I mean, we'll get to that later. Obviously, we have some news to get to. But I'm excited to be here. So thank you, Eric. You're absolutely welcome. I'm scrolling through my cable right now and hoping uh, I just have come to the frightening realization that ESPN just simply doesn't exist anymore, which is a real problem for me, a sports fan who typically, you know, watches ESPN. So that's that's really great for me. I'm I'm really happy with the situation I'm in. Why 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 is life so cruel? And it looks like I'm getting just awful signals all over the place. Uh, and I'm this gonna is, be... this is great live podcasting, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, say. this I, is more I, of like someone's like blog than than a yeah, podcast. I, I mean, it's I mean, abso- it's, abso- like it's absolutely disgusting what I'm going through right now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just terrible, but. We're here to talk about football. That's why 
the listeners have come to listen to this podcast. So let's just get to it. Speaking of t- television issues, I wanted to start today with something a little bit weird. Uh, PFT um, Pro Football Talk just put out an article saying that there's speculation that a deal between Apple TV and the NFL is already done and it's just being kept under wraps on Apple's behest as this jazz game is just completely unwatchable through the static. Unbelievable. I mean, just truly pissing me off tonight. Um, But it seems as if Sunday ticket is moving to Apple TV. Uh, As far as streaming goes, it feels like this has been kind of a long time coming. ESPN Plus, I was really hoping they would get it as I already subscribed to that. And I'm a big fan of their product in general, carry all the NHL games. It's just a great streaming service, ESPN Plus. I, I truly enjoy it. And I have the Disney bundle with my family, so that's nice. But um, Ryan, your thoughts on this? I don't know how you – I know you and Donnie do a lot of, like, streaming from places wherever – from other places. Do, will this change – at all for you after you have a little bit of baseball money in your pocket this summer? Do you think you'll be investing in some Apple TV for uh, Sunday ticket next fall? Yeah, I would say probably unlikely for me right away. Uh, I have gotten Sunday ticket in the past. Like while I was a student, I would get like Sunday ticket as a student and I would just stream it through my Xbox, but I don't have Apple TV. I think it would be more likely that I would like know someone else that has it and try it out, like go over to a friend's place and they have it. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Like, give me your login. And then they would like, give me their login. But I mean, I, I don't know. Usually I don't have two. I think NFL is actually now I'm thinking about it though. Like of, of streaming, like all sports, like on, on a computer, like it's, it's not too hard to finesse. Like if I'm being honest, like football sometimes is like a little bit more difficult. So like for me, I'm trying to watch the Eagles. The Eagles aren't in where I'm living. I'm not, I don't live in Philly. Uh, so it's tough for me to watch the Eagles sometimes. So like, it is kind of nice to have Sunday ticket. I, I can't actually lie on that, but for me, I'm actually probably like, if I'm spending money, I'm probably going to just get game pass. I'm more of like a, a game pass nerd, like being able to go back and watch games in 30 minutes is like the superior viewing experience as Eric knows for sure. So, I know, yeah, but that's it's also like, I don't know. I also don't hate the idea of like, I'm going to have to be in per usual doing Raiders games again this semester not this semester, but this fall. I also just don't hate the idea of taking my Mac in, throwing on Apple TV and watching literally any other game other than the Raiders game uh, while I, you know, broadcast the Raiders game. That just seems like a nice time to me. So I'm kind of, and especially if like Red Zone comes to like Apple TV, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, I, I think that, I already spend like kind of a lot of money on streaming services, but I feel like if as long as Apple TV keeps the price manageable, as long as it's only like $10 a month or or something reasonable, I'll probably just end up getting Apple TV or, or like splitting it with someone or doing something like that. But one thing about that, that I think's really smart about Apple getting it is like, I don't know if you know this or not, Ryan, but like getting into like somebody else's Apple account on your device is like extremely inconvenient. Like, Mm. because you have to like, 
at that point you'd lose like all iMessage like capability because you're in somebody else's Apple account. So I feel like for me, it's the only, it is the only streaming service that I wouldn't like share a password with one of my homies with, you know? So I feel like it's smart in that regard, but I don't know if, if they start streaming it this year and it's reasonably, reasonably priced, I'll probably cut out my champions league streaming and maybe just uh, go with, go with uh, NFL for, for this year. But it's also nice because I'm splitting game pass this year with some homies that may, may or may not be on this podcast. Don't want to say too much. Don't want the NFL hunting us down or anything like that. Not that I think they ever would, but uh, it'll be nice. I'll have, Roger, I'll have, Roger Goodell's already after you, Eric. It's too late. Yeah, it's too late. Roger's right after me sharing my password with like at least three people. So uh, yeah, NFL game pass, but maybe improve your like product because FL Game Pass, as much as we like it, Ryan, is like has gone downhill noticeably. Oh, it's over a terrible the, product. I over have to the say. past over the past few years, like somehow every year they're like, we're upgrading it, and then it gets noticeably worse. They're definitely like, full of shit. All the all the draft Twitter <laughs> nerds like me are always on like Tuesday afternoon, like feeding my Twitter feed with fuck game pass they never update the games where's my all right. 22 where's it's the every all tuesday 22. morning that's when they're supposed the, to go up there's no uh, eventually we're going to get to a point where the all 22 just won't become available until the season's over like this like it's now for me i love condensed games that's just how i watch but uh you know i i understand for some people it's not it's not that way but the nfl can just have all my money i've just already admitted that I, i've just surrendered my livelihood to them trey i know that you're broke uh so i i figure you probably won't be getting a, apple tv no it's true though i mean every time i ask trey about something he's like i'm broke i mean yeah nothing sage i don't have money <laughs> <laughs> i don't have money no, maybe a I, summer job this year trey I'm actually planning on doing that, but oh, that's all. That's all good. Got to put aside some of that summer job money for Apple TV. I think. Yeah, I'm just not doing that, dude. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not doing that, man. I bought it once, never want to buy it again. I never. Well, the thing is, I never use it. So, see, I I'd use, I'd use it. I'd use it if it had NFL stuff on it, and and like. Ideally, they'd still let you do the monthly thing. So I'd just subscribe to Apple TV from like August to February. And then and thing is, I don't understand buying like Apple TV Plus, man. Like the like the movies and the TV shows, like the only TV show I watch on Apple TV Plus is like Ted Lasso. And I pirate that. And the streams that they have on there, those baseball streams, I can pirate that also. So I don't I don't see the the I guess you say while we're just in TV corner here, I hear Severance is very good. Uh, I'm too obsessed with NHL and NBA right now, but uh, I hear Severance is very good. So at some point when I get Apple TV back, maybe I'll watch Severance. All right, well that was fun. I I just thought it it might be nice to get you know 
some younger people's perspective on Apple TV and Sunday Ticket. Maybe that was completely useless. Who knows? Uh, it's not like anyone really listens to this anyways. You're going to have to Derek, like, cap on here, bro. <laughs> Skip what? to the football talk. You're going to have to like put a little timestamp on here. Bro. Yeah, I'll probably, I, this one I probably will timestamp. Derek Carr gets a new contract. Three years, nothing too special, a, a little bit of money, but price of doing business if you have a quarterback. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I think that Derek Carr is an above average NFL quarterback. And I think especially with the what talent and weapons he has around him now, he is going to be a no doubt top 10 quarterback this year. It just makes sense they get ahead of a great year because there's a real chance that he comes out and puts up like 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns this year. And then you're talking about having to pay him Aaron Rodgers money next year. And you probably don't want to give Aaron Rodgers money to Derek Carr. So I feel like this was a smart move. You, you want to pay your star quarterback before he blows up and has an all-time season. Like I think Derek Carr might be having this year. I mean, Sure. I'm always weary to buy stock in quarterbacks that are coached by Josh McDaniels other than Tom Brady because, you know, Tom Brady is a psychopathic genius. But, look, yeah, I think, yeah, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's a good option. He's probably the best option the Raiders had, even if they wanted to move on from him, which I don't think either of us think that they wanted to. So, yeah, it's not an overly expensive deal, which is good for them as well. Um, Also, Gives him maybe I don't know if it still gives him a little bit more room to maybe add on maybe some more weapons in the future. So I know they have Devontae Adams. I know they have uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, I know they have Darren Waller, but I don't know uh, what their situation is at wide receiver three. So uh, maybe it saves them may saves them some room. Who knows? Um, but moving forward, yeah, that's a, that's a good deal. Just to tie him down, keep him there with Devontae, and just see how the partnership goes out and see how that Josh McDaniels experience. Uh, works out because that's probably the more interesting thing out of all this just seeing how Josh McDaniels meshes with Derek Carr and see if he can really build himself a legacy outside of coaching Tom Brady which at this point that's probably all he's known for oh well aside from spurning the Colts at the last second and draw the ire of many Colts fans so (laughs) but yeah I'm really interested to see how that partnership of Carr and Josh McDaniels meshes in Las Vegas Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Ryan, any overall thoughts on Derek Carr as it pertains to going into this upcoming season? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, just kind of following Carr's career has been really kind of interesting. You know, he was a second round pick coming out. And a lot of times you really don't see quarterbacks drafted outside of the first round have any kind of success. So to see a guy like Derek Carr and Dak Prescott, who was a fourth round pick, is another guy that has had some success in the NFL, you know, able and worthy of a couple contracts with the same team now. You know, Carr's last contract was one of the more expensive ones that, you know, anyone had received. He was so good, you know, early on in his career, uh, you know, years 2015, 2016, I thought um, were really good for Carr, especially 2016 before he got injured. But I thought it was kind of interesting the timing of this deal. You know, Trey outlined how they had the coaching change, and it seemed like for a while under John Gruden, 
Gruden. There wasn't necessarily like this flourishing dynamic offense, even with a good run game with Josh Jacobs, a good offensive line, you know, hasn't necessarily benefited from great receiver play. And now he's got Devontae Adams. So should be an interesting, uh, you know, to see how that kind of develops um, and whatnot. And also to Trey's other point about how, you know, now we kind of wonder, you know, Raiders are spending a lot of money. They bought Chandler Jones. They got Devontae Adams. Uh, they just paid Max Crosby. You know, you wonder if some of those pieces around them may start to diminish a little bit. Obviously, that means your drafting is much more important, getting guys on cheap contracts to play really well. You know, they've got a really kind of high-end top part of their uh, pay structure payroll now with a couple players, which is a good way to do it. But now you have less room for error with the rest of your rosters. So obviously a big contract per car will uh, make that a little bit more complicated moving forward. But um, yeah, thought that was kind of interesting. And also Carr coming off a year where he threw the most interceptions in his career. I thought he was good last year, not saying that he's trash because of that, but not like Derek Carr to me is like a bona fide top five quarterback, um, you know, kind of where he's getting paid or I guess top 10, but even still, I think maybe he's a little overpaid. So I guess, I'm concerned with that a little bit, but just got kind of a couple of things that came to mind when I saw the car contract. Yeah. Uh, the other piece of news to get to here before we dive into some quarterback breakdowns, Kyler Murray, new reporting has come out that he does not intend to play on his current contract. So this means that one of three things is going to happen. The Cardinals will give him a contract he'll hold or two he'll hold out which i think is kind of a likely scenario i would expect this to go on into training camp or the cardinals will just trade him it sounds like there's like actual thought within the cardinal front office that they might be willing to trade him from what i've read and and seen on twitter and things like that i don't know if that's such a great idea but if you believe in the next quarterback class, there are some teams out there. I was texting with Ryan about this earlier in the week when this kind of came out. Some teams that kind of make sense to me, like, believe it or not, I feel like the Jets would kind of make sense if they ever wanted to package together one of their high first rounders and Zach Wilson that, that would give, you know, the Cardinals kind of a bridge quarterback uh, another team, Ryan's team's been floated out there a little bit. Philly, Philly makes a lot of sense. They have enough draft capital to just do it straight up and keep Jalen Hurts, or they could just trade a pick this year, one of their picks this year, and Jalen Hurts, and maybe like a second or third, and you could probably get Kyler Murray for that. I don't think Kyler Murray's trade value is as high as people think. I think he's probably worth like a top 10 pick and maybe like an additional second rounder but probably wouldn't say any more than that uh be, just because I, I know he's played well but he is still kind of unproven um but when i googled kyler murray's name what team do you think came up three times with like fan blogs and like just like general kind of USA Today's type speculation on where he might be traded to. It really surprised me. Uh, Carolina? I don't know. Lions? I don't know. No, Dallas. What? There, really? there, there is like internet speculation, which I, I will just say it's internet speculation. But if you look up like Kyler Murray right now and you go to the homepage, like the first three stories are 
Arizona Cardinals will trade Kyler Murray before the season. NFL analyst James Jones says, one says the Falcons are a favorite. And then the other one says, two say Dallas Cowboys favored to trade for Kyler Murray. What an interesting turn of events that would be if you ever did like a player for player swap of just like Dak for Kyler, if you wanted to shake some things up. I, I can't say that as a fan of the NFL, I would absolutely hate that. I feel like that's like a pretty even shakeup, but at the same time, I don't think that's actually happening. I just think that it's interesting that there's speculation. Yeah, definitely surprising to me, but if he got back with CeeDee Lamb and uh, now since they kept Michael Gallup, like that'll be a really fun offense. He could even run some read option that they do already with Dak and Zeke and Pollard. I think Murray would be fun there, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of like food for thought. I think like Murray, he like removed pictures on Instagram of him with the Cardinals and his agent is, uh, you know, kind of been outspoken about how he wants to make sure he gets paid, which is understandable. That's your job as an agent. So, you know, I don't know necessarily how seriously I'm still taking it. Like the Cardinals are still easily the favorite for where Murray will be playing next year. So I think that's probably where I would see things too, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that like Dallas and Atlanta are two other teams that are, you know, kind of next in line for who could get Murray. That's 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 just an odd sort of attention grabbing tactic that people are using to stir up some sort of weird, you know, controversy surrounding Kyle Murray and create this weird smoke behind him potentially going to Cowboys. That's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. First, Jerry and look, Jerry Jones has literally has the Dallas Cowboys by his. By their throat, basically. I mean, of course, he's the owner and everything. But when you think of the Dallas Cowboys, you think of Jerry Jones, right? Even Jerry Jones knows that if he trades, you know, Dak Prescott for Kyler Murray and Dak, you know, Dak Kyler Murray in the past has shown that he's, he's, you know, the playoff atmosphere is really not, you know, suitable for him. He's he's not that been good as a playoff quarterback. Um, or you know, not just playoffs, but big games, you know, important games down the stretch. Bringing an, an unproven quarterback that's, you know, not really suitable for big moments like that, and you trade Dak Prescott away, who's won you some playoff games and has uh, played really well despite being in that whole contract, uh, you know, scandal that he had a couple years ago and uh, the injury that he had and how connected he is to that Cowboys franchise and that community. Jerry Jones would literally, there would be riots literally outside the, you know, the Cowboys practice facility. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that there's just no possible way that this sort of move, you know, makes any sense. It, it makes zero sense on paper in your mind. It doesn't even make sense on Madden, man. So I, I just don't get it. I'm, I, I'm not buying that. Um, if by some chance and by by the grace of God, if it does somehow it did occur, then I'll do something ridiculous. That's how confident I am that something like that isn't going to happen. Yeah, I I, I don't think it was going to happen. I just thought it was interesting that that popped up. All right, let's take a quick break and then let's talk some quarterbacks. Let's take a break. Trey. Unfortunately, the reality of human life is that someday we will all pass on. No one wants to think about it. It's an uncomfortable topic, but it's important to take care of you and your loved ones when that day comes. That's right, Eric. 
Fortunately for our listeners, we know of a great guy that can help you set up your wills and trusts. Absolutely, Trey. Our friend Andrew McCullough has you covered. You can find him on Twitter at A-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H-105. His DMs are open, and he and the folks at Brindley Sullivan can help you take care of you and your family's estate planning needs. Don't just take our word for it, though. Here is University of Utah star and current draft prospect, Britton Covey, to tell us more. Hey guys, Britton Covey here. As my long time at the University of Utah is coming to a close, it's time for me to start thinking about my future. There's no one I trust more than Andrew McCullough at the firm of Brindley Sullivan for my estate planning needs. Give his office a call to set up a free consultation at 435-673-9220. Andrew's firm is headquartered in St. George, but he spends plenty of time along the Wasatch Front taking care of his needs. So call him and tell him that Britton Covey sent you. More info at trustyourtrust.com. All right, let's get into some talk about the quarterback class. Ryan, I first just want to say, I know I'm not a draft guy, but I do pay attention to the quarterback class every year. It's just the easiest thing to pay attention to. I watch a lot of college football. I watch a lot of college quarterbacks, but uh, when I hear a college quarterback is going to be taken, I go out of my way to watch him. So I just have a grand sweeping statement to make here. I think this quarterback class, I really want to focus on what's good about them. But before I do that, I just want to say this class is like very mid. Like we use the word mid here a lot because we're a Gen Z podcast. But like truly, that is the best way to describe this quarterback class no is this is just a group of extremely made quarterbacks i i think you could even take it a step further and just say it's it's a bad quarterback class it may not even be mid like last year's class was like an incredible class like we had five like pretty legitimate first round quarterbacks it was very good i mean this year i think how i would have a shakeout if every if we combine the last two quarterback classes, I don't think there's a single quarterback in this year's class that would go in round one last year. Hmm. That's interesting that you say that. Um, so you don't think a single one of these guys goes in round one last year? I, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah, I think last year's just had way too much depth that – I don't think there would have been anyone in this year's class that would go in round one of last year. Trey, your general thoughts on, on the quarterback class? Well, I say this all the time, but the quarterback class this year is mid. Like, it's not bad. Like, I mean, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not good either. Like, usually when you say it's like, okay, it's meh, like, it's not good, it's not great, but it's not bad. I mean, it's not, you know, good, but it's not bad either. So, I mean, I think teams this year is that they're really trying to dive down into every single trait that these quarterbacks have and really hope that they can uh, find the needle in the haystack when it comes to finding the best quarterback in this class because we don't know who it's going to be. There's no uh, standalone top quarterback prospect this year. I know so many are pegged on Malik Willis, and I am based on his upside. His upside is tremendous, but – 
you don't know if that upside is ever going to be realized because he has so many flaws still within his game that need to be coached up and still need to be molded down. So um, even the safer quarterback prospects have this year, have a lot of questions about them as well. So um, yeah, this, this quarterback class is mid per se. Um, I just don't, I can't really get a feeling on what we could really expect, you know, in the future. Well, that's, that's some hard to say, but just just gauging the upside of these guys, and it's clear Malik Willis is number one. But beyond that, I mean, who? All like upside of the rest of these guys, so it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. So let's start with Malik Willis. I I think there's a lot that's interesting to be said about him as as a prospect um you watch him to me the first thing I thought about was just because of the size kind of the way he plays like I really couldn't escape the comparison of like prime Cam Newton uh that that's just kind of who came to mind he's got Good running ability, a pretty big arm, struggles with accuracy a little bit sometimes. But to me, in his highlights, which are mainly what I watched, you could definitely see that this guy has the attributes of of what Cam had when he was coming into the league. Do you think that's an accurate comparison, Ryan? Uh, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, Cam was was definitely a lot bigger when when we're talking about the size type. And I also think that Willis is, is a little bit faster. Um, he didn't end up running the 40, unfortunately, on either the combine or the pro day. But I feel like with Newton, he was a little bit more of kind of a power runner. And I, and I see a little bit more kind of wiggle and shake with Willis, kind of on the Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick vibe, even though he's not quite as uh, elusive or athletic, I would say, as those two players. But um, I, I mean, I can see uh, some comparisons to Cam, but um, at least in terms of the throwing ability, I, I think is, uh, is fairly similar. But um, I think in terms of the athlete, I, I see a little bit different type of player with Willis. Yeah, I agree the same way. Um, the thing with Willis is that he has some nice traits. You know, he can he's really mobile, can really scramble with the football. He's really fast. He's a nice athlete for the quarterback spot as well. Also, his arm strength is actually pretty, pretty nice. It's actually he actually has a decent sized arm and it's something that you could really uh work with, you know, if you're an offensive coordinator or a head coach looking to draft him. Uh, but the red flaws of or excuse me, the red flags of him not being really in an NFL, you know, in an offense that can be comparable to the ways of an NFL offense. He has some weird turnovers sometimes. Uh, I don't know. There's just, and he also has some accuracy issues as well, but um, Willis, he has the most slang. You know, I said before, he has the most upside of any quarterback in his class, just because of his ability to throw to, or run the football and just because his arm is really, really talented. His arm, you know, his arm talent is really, really nice, but he certainly has some issues that he would have to work out. And that's why so many are, you know, saying if you do take Willis, you're going to have to sit him for a year because you simply can't play him right now. He's simply not ready. You can't do it. So um, if you're an NFL team, do you want to take, you know, take Malik Willis and not see an event, you know, any sort of return on that investment in year one, or you want to be patient and wait till year two, year three. Um, if you want to do that, then sure. Draft Malik Willis, go ahead. But if you're a, you know, a team that's looking for a quarterback now that wants to play or that you want to play right now, then Malik Willis is just not your guy. So um, 
it, it just depends on the right team from Lee Willis and the right scheme. You don't want to limit his skill set, but you don't want to, you know, overwhelm him with too much either. So um, I, I think spot, you know, and location is, you know, it's, it's, it's I think it's going to be really important for him, you know, as maybe any other prospect, because that's, that's simply that, that specific, that specific team, excuse me, is really just going to be a judge of how they can bring out his talents and really develop him to the point where he can be a solid foundational piece for the future. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, kind of evaluation you have of Willis on that trade. Like, definitely, I think without a doubt, he is like the highest potential. Like, if you just strictly just watch highlights, like, you're like, wow, this Malik Willis could be pretty special. But I think really where he kind of suffers is kind of the mental processing side. You know, he started his career at Auburn, transfers to Liberty. So you go from the SEC to a non-Power 5 school. You know, unfortunately, you're not going to get quite as good of coaching. So it was a very kind of a simple offense. So I think that could be something where it's going to take some time for Malik Willis to kind of step into an NFL team. He's certainly not a day one starter, even though he has like such great potential. You can definitely put out packages where you can use his ability as an athlete because he's such a good runner. But I think in terms of his ability to go through reads and, you know, process a defense, understand where pressure is coming from, the mental processing side was really where I saw Willis needs to continue to improve. And ideally he can get that with an NFL coach. Uh, but obviously that's, that's much easier said than done uh, how it always works out sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I kind of like the, the things that a lot of people like about him is that just, he has those explosive playmaking abilities, you know, and those are hard to come by and hard to teach. So I, I just feel like sometimes it's, it's a good time to, it's a good idea to just gamble on those things and hope they end up working out in the long term, which, you know, could be something that we see um, working out for Willis or something we could see not working out so much. It just kind of depends on how things play out. So yeah, that was kind of what my thoughts on Willis are. I feel like we have had some good discussion about him. Uh, If there is there anything else that you guys would kind of like to point out at all? Uh, I guess the only thing that comes to mind is that I always see these rumors that Willis is going to go second overall to the Detroit Lions, and I think that would be a disaster. Well, even though he could sit behind Jared Goff, and I think that's very important. He needs some time to develop. I don't think the Lions are nearly a good enough situation where Willis could, you know, make that situation work. I feel like he'd be set up in a position to fail if he went to Detroit specifically. Um, so I, I think that just because it's a weak quarterback class, we could see Willis get picked way higher than where he's actually kind of ranked as a prospect just because of that position of value and, and upside potential. But I think specifically if he did end up going to the Lions, that would not be a pick I would think too favorably of. Yeah. And, you know, just to add into what Ryan said, just looking, trying to, you know, evaluate where he could really fall to, you know, throughout the first round of the draft. I mean, it's really hard to pinpoint, a, you know, a realistic, desirable location. At least that's in my opinion. I'll probably have to look over the draft order uh, again, just maybe look over it one more time. But it's hard to really maybe pinpoint a, a, a realistic, desirable location. Like you want a, a, a quarterback with such supreme athletic traits to go uh, to an organization, to a coaching staff that can really match those athletic traits, you know, and help them catch up with or, you know, help them meet up, you know, I should say, with the mental processing and stuff of the game, like Ryan said. But 
um, any sort of realistic desirable location for that right now in the first round. I don't really see it. You know, I could be wrong. I just, I'll probably have to look over the first round order again, but I don't really see it at this point in time in all honesty. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. All right, here's a guy that I, I really want to talk about, Kenny Pickett. To me, I watched this guy play today. I saved all my research, of course, for last second. I watched a lot of Kenny Pickett today. And let me tell you, it's not just because he wears two gloves. But, oh, my God, does this guy literally just remind me of, like, a spitting image of, like, what Teddy Bridgewater is. Like, think of what Teddy Bridgewater was, like, when Teddy Bridgewater's at his best, basically. Like, the Minnesota years or, um, like, some of his early stuff in Carolina. Like, I just feel like Kenny Pickett is a Teddy Bridgewater-level passer. Like, he's going to basically be able to make some NFL throws, but in the long term, he's kind of limited by his arm size. He's kind of limited by a, a little bit of weird decision making. He's a little bit more aggressive than Teddy, and that sometimes gets in his way. But also, like if you go on draft Twitter, like the most missed throw clips that get put out, it's always Kenny Pickett. Like people hate this guy. Like, absolutely hate this guy. I mean, if you follow Benjamin Solak, like, this guy hates Kenny Pickett. I mean, absolutely destroys him every chance he gets. And honestly, that's fine. You can do that. But when I watch Kenny Pickett play, I see Teddy Bridgewater. And ultimately, do I believe Teddy Bridgewater is at least good enough to be considered a top 32 NFL quarterback? Yeah, I think so. So. I think if you draft Kenny Pickett, you're at least going to be able to put someone in your lineup who might win you between eight and five games. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, there there are things to like about Pickett. I want to say some good things about Kenny Pickett because you just destroyed him. And I'm definitely not the biggest Kenny Pickett fan, but like he blew up last year. Like this guy was like in no one's board to get drafted in the first round this year at the beginning of the season. Like everyone was like, Oh, Kenny Pickett is some quarterback at Pitt. Like he, he, like no one took Kenny Pickett all that seriously. And then last year was just incredible. He threw over 40 touchdowns. Uh, he had Jordan Addison on his team who won the Blitnikoff award for the top receiver, which certainly helped things out, but really just, you know, everything just kind of came together for him. He totally just blew up, had an incredible year last year, which on the surface level, yeah, I want to draft a quarterback who just is coming off the best year of his career, you know, was a team captain, you know, a five-year player in, in his, uh, in his time at Pitt in total, and is coming off one of the best years. You see his ability to extend plays to 
significantly improved last year. He's a solid runner, you know, certainly not no Malik Willis, but has the ability to move a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think really kind of even developed, you know, throwing downfield a lot last year. So I think there's a lot to like with Pickett for sure, in terms of his ability to be an NFL quarterback. But I think Bridgewater is definitely a fair comp. Like Bridgewater is, is good because I think it kind of describes like the value, like that you're, you may get with a guy like Kenny Pickett. Like he's not going to come in and wow you, but he's good enough to kind of do his job and, you know, help the team kind of, kind of situation where he's not going to like elevate the level of the team, but he's good enough to kind of play like good level football for you. So there are things to like with Kenny Pickett for sure. I definitely think in a year like this, it's worthy to take him in the first round. Um, even albeit, I think he could be a little bit overdrafted, uh, you know, kind of like a situation we had with like Daniel Jones a couple years ago, uh, you know, where he just got way, <laughs> way overdrafted just because there wasn't anyone else. I think that's also kind of a, a name that came to mind for me with Pickett. But I mean, I think just kind of the ceiling with Kenny Pickett is, is a little bit lower than, you know, Malik Willis, for example. Like, I, I, I know he, he had a really good year last year, but I think there is kind of like a cap with Kenny Pickett. Um, just because, like I said, I don't think he can really kind of elevate the level of a team to where, you know, suddenly they're, you know, knocking off teams in the playoffs on the regular because Pickett is so dynamic and good. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bridgewater is a fair comp overall from you on that, Eric. So um, while there may be a lot of people that are very against him, I definitely don't think that's like too big of a knock even. Trey, some thoughts on Kenny Pickett. Um, I haven't really watched as much Kenny Pickett as I have with Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and Sam Howell, really. Uh, but maybe really with Pickett, to me, I, I think probably with the more basic thoughts about Pickett is that, you know, lack of arm strength. Well, he has arm strength, but it's not as much as Willis. Uh, but, yeah, certainly not an overwhelming amount of arm strength for Kenny Pickett. Nice athlete. Uh, small hand size. And I, I know people, you know, bring up hand size and like to either bring it up or dismiss it and call it useless. But hand size matters when your quarterback's in it in the pocket and you're trying to hold on to the football. But uh, let's say you're a quarterback trying to, you know, like I said, trying to hold on to the football in the pocket and, the, you know, an edge rusher comes around, tries to slap the ball at your hand. Uh, if your hands are a little bit too small, you're not going to be able to grip onto that football as well as someone with bigger hands. You know, that's just basic physics and stuff. So, uh, but I, I generally don't think that's anything too crazy. As long as you develop a good sense in the pocket and know how to hold on to the football, the hand size really doesn't matter all that much, in my opinion. But um, Pickett's all right to me. Um, he's all right. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of him, you know, in terms of his future as a pro. I mean, certainly has some traits that maybe you can work with, but um, – I don't think he has anything overwhelmingly dominant or overwhelmingly positive either. So I think Pickett falls in the line of average to maybe a little bit above average, maybe as a prospect and, you know, you know, maybe an upside as well. So um, Pickett's really nothing too crazy for me, but he could certainly be a sufficient NFL starter if he can, you know, fall into a good situation and work some things out. So um, those are really my thoughts on Kenny Pickett. I don't know if it matters much since I don't, you know, since I haven't watched as much Kenny Pickett, but that's just my two cents on him. All right, let's move on to the next guy. Let's go a little bit positive before I get I go a little bit negative. Matt Corral, okay, like Matt Corral. I don't understand the downsides of Matt Corral. Uh, maybe that his mechanics are a little bit wonky, 
Like that to me seemed like the only thing that could be, he, he's got like a weird throwing motion. Like that could be an issue in the NFL, but like, he's pretty good. He distributes the ball. Well, uh, he played, he's very much like, I like to describe these guys as like point guard quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Where it's very much, he just finds the open guy and just gets them the ball. Also, I think he has extremely good touch from some of the stuff I saw, like extremely good touch. And I think having good touch is important. He may not have the biggest arm in the world, but I don't know. To me, he is the guy over Pickett. I would take him over Pickett. To me, he's like the number two guy that I'd take in the first round. And I think if a team like Washington ever were to be like, hey, we want competition for Carson Wentz, like Matt Corral, I wouldn't hate that. Or if you just pick like the Panthers, I don't know. Like, I think he's a fine option. He's probably should go like early day two, but I think with the way quarterbacks are, he'll go in the first round. But I actually like Matt Corral quite a bit. I think he can be successful and he's got some good traits about him. Ryan, why don't people like him as much? Yeah, it, it, I like Corral too. Uh, when I was kind of initially going through things, I kind of thought Corral was going to get kind of be the guy that ended up being QB1. Uh, Corral and Willis actually had a head to head game last year. Liberty played at Ole Miss, and Corral totally outdueled him, was, you know, the significantly better quarterback on that day. Um, I think Willis offers you a little bit more in terms of the explosive athlete, but that's nothing against Corral, who's definitely a strong runner himself, definitely a, a, a quick player, and I think is also a smart player when kind of knowing when to slide, but also a guy who's not too shy to take on contact which his teammates love of course and sometimes people can definitely kind of roll their eyes when you're like oh he's a great leader it's like well you obviously need a lot more than just being a great leader to you know be a quarterback at the national football league level but I think there is definitely things to like with Corral uh, in terms of you know how dominant he was kind of in that offense like Lane Kiffin ran a pretty unique style offense it was super up tempo it was super fast we we're running RPOs high level percentage plays and he really kind of mastered that offense he made it look really kind of easy for him last year Ole Miss was a ton of fun to watch and Corral really had a good command of, of that offense. Now he's not going to get something like that in the NFL, of course, but I think there are elements of what Lane Kiffin does at Ole Miss that you see and are starting to creep into the NFL level. So I think in the right coaching scheme and situation, Corral could definitely have a lot of success, you know, pretty quick in the NFL, I do think, but uh, I think he still definitely needs some time to continue to develop in terms of his ability to read defenses. Mental processing is another thing because, you know, so often it was bang, 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 super quick quick first read uh, or take off and run at Ole Miss, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get a little bit different style of offense in the NFL, but I definitely think there's a lot to like with Corral overall. And uh, I think he definitely offers a, a good amount of upside in a, uh, you know, overall mediocre class. Yeah. I, I just really like him. I, I think he's a guy that if you drafted him and said, Hey, let's put some weapons around you and like go out and win. Like say he did get drafted by the Panthers. Like, let's be honest. The Panthers have some okay weapons in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Like I good running could, back to hand the ball off to as well. Yeah. I think he could probably put up like 3000 yards and maybe like 20, 24 touchdowns. Like he seems like a very solid NFL player maybe not like a top 10 quarterback but 
I feel like somebody should really take a chance on him. If, if there's a quarterback that I, I watched today that I had to like, that I would say I fell in love with and just became like the quarterback that if the Broncos hadn't gotten Russell Wilson, I would have wanted for the Broncos. It's probably Matt Corral. I, I like Matt Corral a lot. Any thoughts on Matt Corral, Trey? Um, well, first off, talking about Matt Corral to the Panthers, I don't think I want to send any young quarterbacks to their graves right now in the Carolina <laughs> Panthers as long as Matt Rule keeps coaching that football team. So Don't have much protection up front either, Trey. Yeah, so I don't want them to almost die on the football field, not you know, not just physically, but because of their careers as well, because they're being coached by a weird man and head coach. Uh <laughs> I didn't really. I haven't really watched a lot of Matt Corral, and all honesty, I think the most I got to watch of him was when he came into Knoxville on a nice Saturday night, ran all over Tennessee's defense, and made me hit a couple things in the process because it was just torturing watching him just escape pressure and run all over the place. But uh, he's, a, I think, uh, he has some nice mobility, nice athlete for the quarterback size, a little bit undersized as well. I think maybe he needs to add a little bit more size, but. Um, I'm just a random student journalist here, so <laughs> I'm talking. So, uh, uh, you brought up a good point, though, Ryan, about some of the things that he did at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and how some of those things are starting to creep into the NFL scheme-wise. Uh, I think that helps him a great deal because there's still some schemes out there that are, you know, well, not still, but there are some schemes out there that are really starting to adapt more and more up these spread, up-tempo sort of uh, – uh, plays and different schemes that they want to add and, you know, formations that they want to add in their, you know, their specific scheme. So um, I, I certainly think that'll help them, you know, speed up, I guess you say, in the development process as well. Um, but I think with Malik Willis, I think it just depends on location for him. Um, I'm, I'm not the most well-versed in Matt Corral uh, evaluations, but um, for a quarterback that's in a spread heavy offense, and I know these sort of, you know, uh, these sort of formations and different plays and things are starting to creep into more schemes around the NFL. Uh, but for an NFL, well, excuse me, for a quarterback prospect that's in these high up-tempo uh, spread offenses, landing in a spot where, you know, you have more of these concepts in there uh, so that you won't have to be stuck. I guess you say stuck in the development process a little bit longer than maybe you'd want to be. So, um find a location where maybe some of those concepts are in that specific scheme. So to where the developmental process isn't too slow. Um, I think that might be important for Matt Corral. Um, and that just all coincides with the point I said location. So I, I really depends on where he gets drafted and who, you know, really picks him up and how their offense runs and what sort of concepts they have in their offense scheme. So with Matt Corral, there's certainly some talent there, but certainly locations one is a, is a really big thing that I think uh, we need to pay attention, you know, to in terms of Matt Corral's draft spot once the draft starts in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and the other things I'll just kind of add on to that, like I think that some of the things that Corral still needs to keep getting better at, you know, sometimes you see clips where he's trying to extend a play too long, ends up fumbling or having a bad turnover. You know, sometimes the deep ball accuracy is a little inconsistent. You know, he's overthrowing guys by like 10, 15 yards. Like that's not great tape. I, I think it's almost kind of similar though to what we see with Malik Willis. He also is a guy that still needs to just kind of develop, continue to get better. So I think for that reason, if say a Matt Corral falls to the second round and is available then, that could even be a better 
value than saying taking a Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis in the top 10. I think you could be getting, you know, you're going to be getting a guy you need to develop a little bit with Corral could be better value if he's still hanging around there, you know, outside of the first round that, you know, someone may be able to untap a little bit. All right. Let's kind of wrap up here. Last big guy I want to talk about, then maybe we can throw out a few a few names that are interesting as maybe backups, but probably not because I, I don't want to talk about backup quarterbacks. Um, I think there's going to be a debate here because I think Ryan likes Sam Howell a lot. And I, I think I've never been so sure of anything in my life than that he is just going to be an awful NFL quarterback. <laughs> like the moment people were like, this guy's going to have a huge year. You got to watch him. First game of a college football season, Virginia Tech, UNC had to pop it on the TV. Oh my God. Is that one of the worst quarterbacking performances I've ever seen from a quarterback? He had a pick where he literally just threw it like five yards behind his wide receiver and right to the cornerback. Like he has like ball control issues. He fumbled a lot and often and made like really stupid decisions. I would compare him to like Baker Mayfield, but without the arm talent. And like, if, if you're Baker Mayfield without the arm talent, we saw what that was this year, and that was a quarterback that cannot play in the NFL on a down-to-down basis. And he is one of the few draft quarterback prospects and the only one that I saw in person. I went to the Notre Dame-UNC game this year. A friend of mine goes to Notre Dame. I got out there to see a game, and I've never been so sure of anything in my life than that. A lot of people are going to trick themselves into thinking Sam Howell's a reliable option. And by about week five, they're going to look at themselves and be like, wait, why was I in this guy's quarter? Like, he clearly cannot play NFL quarterback. This guy is going to be an absolute bust. Anyone who drafts him is making a terrible mistake. He should honestly go undrafted. He's a terrible quarterback. The best he can be as a backup. That's all I got to say about Sam Howell. He's just not good. Based off one game? Based (laughs) off lots of games. He had accuracy issues consistently throughout his college career. His numbers are not good passing percentage-wise. All right. Here's what I got on on Sam Howell for you, Eric. So, you know, obviously after the NFL draft ends, you know, I'm like, wow, that was a lot of fun. Love the NFL draft, but I'm on to the next year already. So, you know, like take me to last year. There were three quarterbacks I had at the top of my list for who I, you know, was looking at. I was like, oh, these three guys, I feel like these guys could be first round picks. In uh, you know, this year's draft 2022, you know, before this year even started. And those guys were Spencer Rattler who obviously ended up, you know, getting benched for Caleb Williams at Oklahoma, transferring to South Carolina. So he's not in this year's draft, but I still think he has some upside, but didn't quite have the year he wanted. The other guy was Keaton Slovis from USC, 
who also ended up transferring. He's now at Pitt. He's going to replace Kenny Pickett next year and didn't quite have the year he was expected. Also kind of got benched for Jackson Dart at some points, which was kind of strange. But so that was interesting. So 0 for 2 on that. And the third guy was Sam Howell. Sam Howell was the other guy that I looked at. And I was like, wow, this guy kind of has some upside. I like what he was able to do when he had some weapons around him. I liked what I saw with the touch on the deep ball. I think Sam Howell kind of had some upside after watching him in, in 2019 and 2020 with a little bit more talent around him. He had some guys like Javante Williams and Michael Carter who were mid-round picks and now playing in the NFL. He had some guys on the outside, Daz Newsom and De'Ami Brown, who also have gone on to the NFL and, you know, had a little bit of juice around him. And I, and I thought I liked a lot from Howell, but really where things kind of changed, you know, 2021, obviously the season happened. The other two guys, they ended up not having as good of years. The talent around Howell did not, you know, did not hold up for him. He really kind of turned into a different kind of player. He became a, almost a runner first. His passing stats, you know, regressed a little bit this year, more interceptions, less touchdowns, worse completion percentage, but his rushing stats went significantly up. He actually became a, a very competent running quarterback, which obviously you're not going to be drafting an NFL quarterback based on solely that, but just given the context of the situation, Howell kind of adapted to the situation around him and was like, look, kind of face it. Like I'm not giving a lot of help right now. I kind of just got to make things happen. And, you know, you mentioned that Notre Dame game, which was interesting for me to hear, Eric, because I watched both Desmond Ritter play at Notre Dame win the game, but I didn't really think Ritter had all that strong of a game. I thought it was kind of the team around him. Cincinnati's defense really kind of stepped up. Ritter even kind of missed some throws that I thought he would have liked to have back. But I thought Hal, his team lost the game, but I thought Hal showed a little bit more heart. They were kind of coming back, clawing in that game a little bit. I, I thought Hal showed a little bit of upside uh, in that game that he had in Notre Dame, more so than Ritter, I guess, for, for two quarterbacks in this year's class. So I think they're reception to close that game. Yeah, obviously it didn't end up well. They lost the game for sure. And like I said, Powell regressed in pretty much every passing category going into this year, which is one of uh, a significant red flag. You want guys to be getting better, not getting worse, but they're just the talent around him totally depleted. And you've seen when he's in a competent offense, he can be a good player because he has such great potential. I loved his deep ball. That was really kind of the thing that really stood out. And the fact that we've now seen him develop as a runner kind of provides for an interesting prospect. Now, not someone I'd draft in the first round. <laughs> My evaluation of that last summer has is, is definitely changed after regressing this year but I think as a day two option you know for for a team that's like hey it's not a great quarterback class you know we maybe we have our guy for this year but uh, you know, we want to add another guy to that room. Maybe we have an older quarterback or we're kind of transitioning, whatever the situation is. I think Howell could be kind of an intriguing prospect to kind of develop for, I would say, two years uh, before you maybe kind of have the option to uh, give him a little bit more play time. Yeah, and I, I typically... probably don't want to spend a first round pick on that guy. It's just what I'll say. Yeah, I agree for sure. Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with Ryan, you know, based on me watching Howell in 2020. Uh, I was actually a little bit excited about his, you know, his potential as a prospect because he had some really, really good games in 2020. And that's why, you know, Carolina, you know, got all the juice that they had, you know, in 2020 as a team, uh, simply because that they just had a really, you know, unexpectedly good year, I guess you could say. And maybe not unexpected because they were real heavy in, you know, the top 25 polls and there was a lot of, you know, uh, national attention surrounding them, but I don't think anybody expected, you know, North Carolina to be as good as they were. So um, Sam Howe, you know, certainly has some mobility to him, like Ryan said, um, but he certainly has some issues as well. Like, you know, like Ryan brought up the 2021 season. The 2021 season was, uh, took a real big dip, you know, for yeah. Howe and his standing as a prospect. And I didn't really understand why until, <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I watched his game against Virginia Tech. I just was not impressed at all. And 
Uh, maybe that was because, you know, he was under duress all day, um, didn't really get a lot of help from his receivers. Uh, but, you know, moving forward, there just wasn't as much buzz around Sam Howell as a top quarterback prospect. And, um, you know, with the factors that Ryan brought up, you know, it's easy to understand why. So I, I think how is not going to be some generational uh, Hall of Fame worthy sort of NFL quarterback, at least that's, you know, based off the traits that he has and uh, the upside that we think he has at this point at this point in time. But I certainly think he's a, you know, a prospect that can develop uh, into a quarterback that can really solidify himself as one that could be a, a nice leader, you know, a nice leader. He's, he's really been asked to lead, uh, not just by example, with his words throughout his time as North Carolina, especially this past season where, you know, like Ryan alluded to, a lot of his talent left. So um, I think you can work with Sam now. I really think you can work with him. I truly think that. Um, like I said, I don't think he's going to be some generational Hall of Fame worthy quarterback, but I think he's a quarterback prospect that you can work with and really get something valuable out of if you develop him well. So I think that's where I stand on how um, somebody might call me stupid. Uh, maybe that's true because I'm just not the best judge of quarterback film, but I, I certainly really think how is a quarterback prospect you can get something valuable out of if you develop him properly. I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair evaluation from uh, from Trey on that. Like the last thing I'll just say is like, yeah, he, he did lose a lot of talent from 2020 to 2021, but 2021, he also had Josh Downs, who is an outstanding receiver. He's, you know, has potential to be a first round pick in next year's class, not eligible for this year. So it's hard to kind of completely fault a guy or, um, you know, say, oh, he regressed and everything, but all his talent left, you know, obviously as your third year, your starter, you hope at that point you can kind of elevate the level of the play. So since we did not see that from Howell, definitely not a player I'm like, oh, he's worth a first round pick by any means, but still kind of an intriguing prospect that's had some success in his past that, uh, you know, has some ability to move and also a decent deep ball. So I think there's some potential there. Um, but as I said, you know, nothing that I'm uh, necessarily pounding the table. We got to go grab this guy. All right, Ryan, one last prospect just to hit on very quickly. I'll let me and Trey kind of sit back for this one. I want to keep this episode a reasonable length. Desmond Ritter, some thoughts on him. And then maybe we can go rapid fire through just a few other names to watch that might go on day two. Yeah, I think for me with Ritter, he's probably actually the most NFL ready. I think that Ritter kind of has, you know, maybe a little bit lower floor, you know, really kind of a smart player, good mobility, you know, won a lot of games at Cincinnati, played some big time games. You know, I mentioned that game at Notre Dame. You know, there's still a lot of people that value, you know, having a lot of team success. And especially for a program like Cincinnati, the fact that Ritter was able to kind of, you know, solidify himself, two-time offensive player of the year in the American Conference. There's definitely some things to, to like about Ritter. And um, I think that, you know, maybe Maybe I have some questions about the ceiling. I think it's maybe a little bit similar to Kenny Pickett in terms of kind of, oh, is he, you know, that Ryan Tannehill, Teddy Bridgewater kind of guy where he's worthy of being an NFL quarterback, but not necessarily the kind of player that is going to elevate the level of your team overall. So I think there's things to like with Ritter. I think if he goes to a team like say Pittsburgh, where he has an ability to play right away and has some competent human beings around him, he, he could have some success in the NFL. But um, I think there are still some things that you're kind of a little concerned about. You know, I think the accuracy is always something that kind of holds me back with Ritter. Um, you know, that's a, something that's very difficult to kind of just get better at o- over the course of, you know, getting to the NFL. There's a lot of things with mechanics or mental processing that with coaching you can get better at, but Sometimes just raw accuracy is a really difficult thing to just kind of develop 
Um, you know, obviously it's possible, but in, in my experiences, it's, that's something that is a little bit more concerning, you know, kind of long-term if a guy's inaccurate, a lot of times he kind of stays being inaccurate, unfortunately. So that's kind of something that sticks out for me with Ritter. Um, that is, uh, you know, a reason why I'm not willing to necessarily go up. Oh, we definitely got to grab this guy top 10 in a, in a weaker quarterback class, but, you know, potentially, I think later the end of the first round, if there's a team that, like I said, has a little bit more structure and needs a guy to kind of get in right away as a rookie and, and compete for the starting job this year, you know, Ritter could be, uh, potentially that guy. He's a little bit older. Um, you know, he's going to be 23, um, in, uh, in training camp for this year. So uh, I think there's some potential to, and things to like with Ritter, but, um, not necessarily a guy I'd be willing to take in the top 20 by any means. All right. Uh, a few other guys that might be backups, the zappy kid. Uh, I kind of didn't take him seriously. Anytime I turn on a highlight tape and I hear like a student broadcaster calling your highlights, like that's how small the school is. Like literally the only broadcast is the student broadcast. Like all respect. I'm a student broadcaster myself. Like, I get it. It's a grind. Good for you. The guy was actually pretty good. But at the same time, when you're playing in the Southland Conference, I'm not going to take you seriously as a prospect. Maybe that's a blind spot by me. But, like, everybody seems to be really high on this guy. But he's playing against little literal nobodies. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Bailey Zappi, you know, I'll do you one better, Eric. He actually transferred from Houston Baptist. He, like, <laughs> followed the uh, offensive coordinator from Houston Baptist to play one year at Western Kentucky last year. So there's your your fun fact about Bailey Zappi. I mean, I think for me, he, he's kind of just like your, your Case Keenum-type quarterback. You know, he played in the air raid system in college, threw for a million, you know, passing yards, a million touchdowns. He, he was throwing, you know, short passes, you know, slants, in routes, hitches, and then once in a while, he'd, uh, you know, hit a slot fade or something over the top where you're like, oh, okay, that was something, but was just asked to throw the ball a million times. He's going to rack up some stats. So I don't necessarily think Bailey Zappi's like, whoa, you know, you look at the box scores and the stats, you're like, damn, is this guy something? But I think when you turn on the film and see the offensive scheme, just kind of what he was asked to do, um, you know, that's not necessarily something we see in the NFL too frequently. Um, and even a little bit different than what I was saying with Corral, um, you know, that RPO type scheme, that's not even necessarily what, what kind of Zappi was doing. It was more kind of your receivers are reading the coverage of the defense and, and running kind of that run and shoot air raid type scheme, which really isn't all that common uh, in the NFL. It's kind of more of a college football thing at, at a school like Western Kentucky. You can kind of get away with it, but I don't necessarily think we have too serious of an NFL prospect with Sappy uh, overall. Trey, one later round guy you want to ask Ryan about, and then we can kind of wrap things up. Uh, well, <laughs> this is probably just one guy that I'm really just going to get on my chest here. Carson Strong, um, I see, and I don't, I don't know why I see so much Carson Strong, and uh, actually, it's really, I don't know why I see so much Carson Strong. I saw, I saw so much Carson Strong over the past six months, so I don't really know why, uh, but I do know this real deep, you know, real big arm, real big arm, nice arm talent, but has zero, and like, I mean, I say this in the kindness of words, zero <laughs> mobility, man. He's literally a statue in the pocket, man. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on just, you know, these sort of quarterback prospects, you really have to, you know, be confident in pass protection uh, and, and just a scheme to where maybe he can get the ball out of his hands quickly or uh, he knows when to get the ball out of his hands, you know. So uh, what are your thoughts about drafting these sort of prospects? Because they, you know, their success depends on so many things going right around them. At least that's what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, I think Carson Strong, like, you know, where I kind of look at him, it's like, you know, I, I see a career backup. You know, I definitely, as you mentioned, with the mobility, he's had some injuries in his career with his collarbone and his knee. You know, things are like, oh, that's not great. And he is kind of a statue in the pocket. You, you really can't lie when you watch it on film. He does have some decent ability. He can read a defense. He can make some throws. So I think for that reason, you know, your, your quarterback, you know, he, he just broke his collarbone and now you need a starter on Thursday night football. All right, we'll throw Carson Strong out there. Maybe he can be decent or something like that but yeah I don't necessarily uh think there's too much hype with Carson Strong that I've really kind of gotten into um despite having you know pretty good numbers and um you know having some success at Nevada um you know good arm you know looks the part he's tall but I think kind of the prospect at hand there's definitely a lot of concerns with his mobility his injury history and you know how he would be able to translate his game to the NFL that we see today all right before we go Obviously, next year's quarterback class getting a lot of hype. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, two names. Maybe give me like two more that you're just excited to watch this next year in college football. Sure. I mean, well, hey, I'll just give you the two names of the guys I thought were going to be good last year with uh, Spencer Rattler and uh, Keaton Slovis, the two guys who transferred, going to get some new spots um, there. Spencer Rattler going from Oklahoma to South Carolina. You know, that'll be an interesting fit. I think he does have some upside. A lot of people kind of hated on Spencer Rattler, but I think it was really kind of turnovers. Like I kind of went in and I was like, man, I see a lot of upside. This guy can make plays out of structure. He's got a good arm. He's a really good runner. You know, why was he kind of benched for Caleb Williams? I think if you watch Caleb Williams, there's reason for that. He transferred to USC, so he could be another guy on the list for 2024 even. But I think with uh, with Rattler, I, I think he could kind of channel things and kind of work his way back. Oh, remember Spencer Rattler? Yeah, he's kind of kicking ass at South Carolina. That's definitely something I could see. And then the other guy with Keaton Slovis, I think he had, you know, good tape. I thought it was really good at kind of getting through progressions, getting through reads. It was a really good rhythm passer. Like what I saw in the deep ball, he had a ton of really good receivers at USC the last couple of years and a fun offense to watch, but ended up just having some issues. It was kind of turnovers. There was a little bit of injuries last year at a, you know, coaching change. Now he's on to pit going to replace Kenny Pickett and he gets to get now throw to uh, Jordan Addison, who just won the Blitnikoff award last year for the best receiver. So I think Slovis could kind of channel some things we saw from Pickett uh, from this past year. So those are kind of the two guys that, uh, in addition to Young and Stroud, who I definitely have as the top two overall in the class, and I like Young a little bit more than Stroud, uh, I think that both Rattler and Slovis offer a little bit of juice that I've got my eye on going into next year. So do you have any others just to give us maybe one more like uh, extra name to kind of keep an eye on? Uh, yeah, I mean, do you want the Caleb Williams guy? Like, have you seen any of him, Eric? No, not, not a ton. So, yeah, so he took over for Spencer Rattler middle of last year. He came in for the Texas game at Oklahoma, obviously being recruited by Lincoln Riley, was a five-star recruit, has just the most ridiculous arm and pure speed, like absolutely ridiculous tape. He had some unbelievable highlights at Oklahoma, throwing touchdowns to Marvin Mims. And now this upcoming year, he followed Lincoln Riley, transferred to USC. So, you know, he's going to be, I guess, competing with Jackson Dart. But sure seems to me like Caleb Williams is going to be the guy at USC and just has some incredible raw ability but was just a true freshman last year so won't be eligible until the 2024 draft but yeah I think Caleb Williams I think has maybe the most upside of any quarterback in college football you know even including the quarterbacks in this year's draft just because he can throw a football like 65 yards on a rope and also has like four four speed uh that's pretty legit as well so I, I think Caleb Williams is a guy to keep your eye on uh down the road is is going to be a really fun one to scout 
Yeah, I'll just give you just out of respect for my Utah kin, just some Utah names to, to pay attention to. Cam Rising, obviously, you saw him in the Rose Bowl. was pretty damn good. Was just he a was. freshman. He's going to be a sophomore this year, and he's going to get some big-time primetime games against USC. It just would not shock me in two years if we're talking about Cam Rising as like a fringe first-round guy. Like, mm-hmm. just would not shock me. He's kind of small, but like can still throw the ball pretty well, has, has a good arm talent. If he can stay healthy, really do think Jaron Hall can be like an NFL quarterback. BYU kid, very athletic, very much more of a runner than a pure passer, but still has a good arm too. So just two Utah quarterbacks to keep an eye on. Ryan. There you go. I like All to right. hear it. Shout out to Cameron Rising. I did like him in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Let's let's wrap up here. This is going a little bit longer than I wanted it to. Trey, before we go, how you feeling about the Yankees? How's everything going with that? I don't like sports. Don't talk about sports. Um, don't ask me about sports ever again. Um, well, at least until further notice, because I'm just not going to get sports to the energy so I can potentially give myself a brain aneurysm. So, gotcha. Yeah. So, Barcelona did well today. <laughs> so, Barcelona definitely didn't lose to a no-name Spanish club today. Right? Oh, my gosh, Eric. I will – gosh, man, please shut up. Dude. They didn't lose to some team called Cadiz or something like that. I don't even know that that's embarrassing that they lost to, to a team that's like barely a real team. So that's yeah, you know what? I don't want to hear anything because that team literally stands in the block like Atletico Madrid and plays like a loser. So I don't I don't I don't want to hear anything. Yeah, we played like crap, we couldn't finish chances, but their goalkeeper literally turned into prime Manuel Noor and they play in a, a, a disgusting. I mean a disgusting low defensive block that'll literally make you want to just punt the ball and kick it in somebody's face because they're playing that deep and that strong defensively. No, I hate teams that plays like that. that. That's why I can't stand watching Atletico Madrid play in the Champions League because they do this every single time to get a lead. They did this against Manchester United. They got a lead. I, I think they got a lead like one or what was it? One oh two. I can't. I can't remember. They went to Old Trafford and played the worst, disgusting, the one of the worst, disgusting defensive blocks I've ever seen. Never want to watch that again. So look, I don't care about the loss today. I hope Cadiz gets regulated or relegated, whatever, gets demoted, so they can go down the second division. They can rot and do their defensive stuff there. But as for no, no. See, do you see one of these still talking about? This is why I don't want to talk about it. So I want to talk about it because now I'm mad all over again. <laughs> I'm mad all over again. I had to sit there and watch that for dang near two hours. Two hours. I do love Prime Manuel Neuer. All right. That'll do it for us here at, at the End Zone Podcast. Ryan, thank you so much. We may have a guest next week. Ryan, I'd like you to still come on. I, I think we're going to maybe talk like some offensive and defensive linemen. Um, we may have a guest next week who potentially played in the NFL who I work with. So that's exciting. If that happens, I'll let you both know so you can do your research and have some questions for him. But that might be exciting. If not, we'll just talk about offensive and defensive linemen and maybe throw in some running backs for for good measure we are just two weeks away from the draft wow that's crazy um it feels like we're not going to cover every position it feels like we're probably not going to get a full mock draft done but maybe we'll do one more three-man top 
20 mock draft uh, next time we get together. So, with that all being said, I appreciate you hanging with us for a longer episode. We will see you next time. Peace out.